Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. All right. Hey, uh, this is the final weekend of a seven-week series that we've been in called Gospel of Wholeness. And um, knowing that we have visitors here today, knowing that we have people that maybe you haven't been here for the whole series, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to review it because it would take half my time to review this series. So, so here's what I'm going to do for a review, because this, if you have been here, this series is just loaded with practical biblical truth that, you know, uh, tools, biblical tools that God's given us to, to really help us grow, help us change, help us become more like Jesus. So here, here's my review. Okay. This is a bit of a, I'm punting, so to speak. Uh, go to the info counter after the service. If you don't already have one of these gospel of wholeness cards, grab one on the back. There's the key concepts. There's eight of them and there's key scriptures. Uh, read them. Uh, on, you know, from time to time, pick it up, read it, just get familiar, get them in your head, get them in your heart, go to vcdc.org, our website and watch the series again, or better yet, go to gospelofwholeness.com and you can watch the original author, Danny Meyer with a ponytail. Uh, uh, <laughs> you can watch Danny give the whole series there, but however you get back to it, do loop back to this over and over, get it in your heart, get it in your head, not just for you and your growth, but for people who God will bring into your life. These are tools uh, that can be also uh, helpful in in helping others. Okay, so today I'm going to be wrapping up by looking at the final uh, two key concepts. So we're going to jump right in. If you were here last weekend, last weekend we looked at uh, key concept number six, which is forgiveness from the heart. Uh, Our focus was on the biblical tool that God has given us to deal with sins that have been committed against us. And again, that tool is, is forgiveness, forgiveness from the heart. And what I mean by that is it's a supernatural exchange, right? It's, it's, it's releasing to God the offender, releasing to God the offense. And in return, it's an exchange, in return, receiving from God healing, you know, uh, for, uh, uh, cleansing, whatever, whatever is needed to be washed clean from that, from that wound. Well, this weekend, we're going to focus on the biblical tools actually, of, uh, that God has given us to deal with our own sins. And let me just say this, just for clarification about, you know, just the word sin. I wonder how that's received as you, as you hear that. That's, that can be a loaded word. Um, well, and it should be a loaded word, but I want to I wanna say this is, this is what I mean when I'm saying sin. I, I'm, I'm saying, I'm talking, sin is when we miss the mark. Sin is when we're out of step with God. The Bible makes it clear that that you know, God really lays out uh, the way that we're to live our lives in relation to him, in relation to each other, and, and really in relation to, to ourselves. God says that, uh, that, this is, you know, that there's a right way, there's the, a, a wise way, there's a loving way to live our lives. And so when we choose a way different than his, well, then we're missing the mark, right? Then we're out of step with God, then we are sinning. Uh, which is not good. It's hurtful to us and hurtful to others. So how do we deal with our own sins? So key concept number seven is this. It's repentance and confession. Repentance and confession. I'm sure some of our visitors are like, oh, great. That's, <laughs> I picked the right weekend. Okay, but it gets better. Wait, it gets better. <laughs> Stay with me. Okay, the key verse 
is 1 John 1, 9. Let's read this together. Will you read with me, please? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, it's already getting better. And if you were here last weekend, just like we had a misunderstanding uh, about what forgiveness is, Right? We learned last weekend that, it, yes, it has something to do with, with you and the, and the person who offended you, but it, it has a lot more to do with you and God. Well, it really is the same with, with dealing with our own sins. It's the same when we look at repentance and, and confession. It really is, like last week, repentance and confession is accomplished through a supernatural exchange with God. And so if you're following in your notes, uh, we deal with our own sins through repentance and confession, and repentance is a supernatural exchange. It's where we, we go to God and through confession, through repentance, we exchange. We give him, we release to him our sins, what we've done. And we'll talk a bit more about that in a second here. But if you remember, remember from last weekend, Danny Meyer, who wrote this, said, but when you, when you go to God to make an exchange, you never leave his presence empty-handed. And in this exchange, we give over, we confess, we repent of our sin. And in exchange, God not only forgives us, but he does something that only he can do. He, he gives us a supernatural cleansing. He washes us. He, you know, he, 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 he goes after the power that that sin has over us. And it's a washing from the inside out, a washing that makes us not just clean, uh, uh, but new and restored. It's a supernatural exchange. Uh, let's talk a little bit about con uh, confession. How many of you were raised in a church culture where confession was a common practice? Put your hand up high. Okay, wow, that's okay. Last night it was like half the room. Um, uh, I, you know, when you want to learn about something, what do you do? You Google it. And so I Googled, I literally Googled, how often do Catholics go to confession? That's what I Googled. And uh, uh, it was really the answers was all over the map. <laughs> but the consistent statistic, so I, I, I'm not banking on this, but the consistent statistic was that most Catholics go to confession uh, only once a year. And when I heard that, I thought, wow, how much time do you get? Because, <laughs> I mean, like... Uh, you might want to get comfortable there. <laughs> but but, uh, but what's jumped out at me, though, is that when I look at our, our Catholic brothers and sisters, I think it is really, really helpful to be taught the value of confessing our sins. I think that really is a, is, is, is a gift. And, what I mean, and, and why I think that is because, well, one, it's biblical. It's a biblical practice. God tells us that we need to confess our sins. Sin is, 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 is destructive to our lives. And we'll talk about that in a little bit more, but, it's, but it needs to be dealt with. And so it's a biblical principle to confess and it really is necessary for our growth and our sanctification. Like many of you, I was not raised in a, in a church where we were uh, really taught to confess our sins. And, and the thought of confessing my sins to God or to someone else was like, Ugh. That was, it's like, you know, can I get a root canal instead? You know, it's, it just was not something that looked like a good thing. It really, to me, it seemed like, oh, okay, I gotta, you know, I, got, I need to go now and, and confess my failure as a Christian, my inability to, you know, to live up to the standard. 
And, uh, and when you hear the words repentance and confession, I'm curious, uh, let me do a poll of my own, but when you hear those words, repentance, confession, would you call them happy words or heavy words? Who would call them happy words? <laughs> Look at that. You don't have to be embarrassed. That's a good thing. Okay, who would call them heavy words? Awesome. Good. Let's just let that guilt... No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. That proves my point. Uh, if we really understand what repentance and confession are and w- why God wants us to do those things, I know it would, it would drastically change our view on those, these two words, repentance and confession, and it would move quickly to happy words. In 1 John 1, 9, uh, the original Greek word used for confess is homlegeo. It means to speak the same, to agree, to acknowledge. And so to confess then, to confess to God, really then is to tell on ourselves to God. It's to, it's to go to God and honestly, you know, uh, 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 with boldness and just say, God, here's what I said. God, here's what I didn't say. God, here's what I did. God, here's, here's what I didn't do. It's, it's agreeing with God and acknowledging to him that, yes, in what we just did, we missed the mark. Yes, in what we just did, we, we stepped out of line with him. Yes, in what we just did, we, we sinned. And so a good question now would be, well, like, how do I know when I've sinned? Uh, uh, and as I look around the room and as I look at the camera, um, my assumption is that, that uh, you know, most of the people here, we all have a pretty basic understanding of God's expectation on, on how we're to live our lives and how we're to treat other people. But okay, as we live our lives, then how, how do we know when there's, when we have sinned, when there's something that we need to confess, something that we need to repent of, well, it really is a tough one because we're all wired differently. Like some of us have an overactive conscience, and I can totally relate to that, where we're always feeling guilty about something. Like, you know, someone else is struggling, and I'm like, I don't even know who you are, but I'm sure I had something to do with your, your struggles. It's just like, I don't know where that comes from. Well, I think it comes from an overactive conscience. Uh, but then we have some people who don't, who don't have an overactive conscience, and some people tend to move through life a bit like a, you know, a bull, a little bull in a china shop. And, and so how do we know then when we've sinned? Uh, well, we need help. We need help to discover that. And again, if you were here last weekend, I talked about how God will, in his time, will, will graciously pull back the carpet in our lives to expose a wound, something that's hurting us. And, and, and he's pulling back that carpet that, you know, from when we were kids on up till to the present, that carpet that we've swept things under it. And God will, in his time, he'll pull that carpet back and he'll say, hey, hey, son, daughter, you need to make an exchange. This wound, you need to make that exchange with me and receive my healing, etc. Well, Well, it really is the same when it comes to confessing and repenting of sins. God will lovingly put his finger on the sin you know, that we need to exchange with him. Son, daughter, we need, this is, this is causing damage in your life. We need to, we need to uh, 
uh, deal with this. You know, come make an exchange and in return, I'll forgive you and I'll supernaturally wash you clean from the effects of that sin. And notice that I said, I, I, I chose different language. And in one, I said, God pulls back the carpet. And the other, I said, God puts his finger on. And I, I think that's, I did that on purpose because when God makes us aware of a sin that we've committed against another person, when he makes us aware, God convicts us, right? He puts his finger on it. God doesn't condemn us, right? It's the enemy. It's the enemy who just throws a blanket of shame or a blanket of guilt, just a heaviness of dread that, you know, that, that's the way he works. But God doesn't work that way. When God convicts us, again, it's very specific, right? Like I, I remember this happened like, I don't know, I, uh, like, I don't know, a month ago where literally my wife, Helen, and I were having a conversation and, uh, she said something and, and I was listening, but I, but I, uh, I just responded with a kind of a smirk and I don't even know, I don't know what the facial expression was, but it was something. And as I walked out of the room, I literally felt God say, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, that facial expression, you need to go back to your wife and tell her your story. Cause really I was, you know, and I, you're not hearing the whole story. Uh, in the end I was right. No, that's not true. I wasn't. <laughs> Helen's in the building. Oh no. But, but it's super specific. God will, God will put his finger on it. It's, it's, it's like the enemy throws a blanket of, of guilt. The enemy comes and just says, you know what? Here's how he, how, how he, you know, he speaks. It's like, well, you're just a loser. You're a loser and you'll always be a loser. Or you, uh, well, you're just an unkind person. Well, you're, you're, you're just, you're a failure and you're, and you're never going to get it. It's, it's, it's just this general, ugh, right? That's not how God works. And so I encourage you because I know, I know for many of us, we spend most of our waking hours with a blanket of guilt on our shoulders that, that is not the Lord. And it's not his, what he is trying, saying to us. It is the enemy. And, and I want to encourage us to just, no, refuse that. Many, there's been times where I've said to the Lord, because I have an overactive conscience, I've just said, Lord, I, this thing, when I, you know, uh, when I said that to that group of people and I walked away and now I feel guilty about it, but I don't know why I feel guilty about it, God, if there is something in what I said to that group that I need to go back and ask forgiveness, I will gladly do that. But will you please make it clear? Because I'm not going to respond to just a, you're a loser. Because that is not how, God, how my father would speak to me. And so he's very specific in, in putting his finger on, on, on habits, attitudes, you know, very specific things. And this is where I think when we all said, oh, repentance and confession are heavy words, this is where I think those words get their heaviness because the, it has this feeling attached to it that you're, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You've been caught. Well, that's not it at all. Like the heart of God, when he exposes sin in, in our lives is not you're in trouble. Really what he's saying is, no, you are loved. You are loved and you are pursued. And God doesn't want anything to, between, to be between you uh, and, and you and him. So again, if we really understand what God is calling us to, we'd, we'd see this, this is a very good thing and not a heavy thing. In your notes, when God calls us to repentance, 
It's God's invitation to restored intimacy. It's God saying, it's not come get a whooping. It's come close. Let's remove this thing that's come between us so that you can even come closer still. And remember in the introduction of this series, uh, we learned that the Christian life, what what does it mean to be a Christian? When you melt it all down, it means that you are in a relationship with God. That's what it means to be a Christian. It's a relationship with God. And, and what does that look like? Well, we learned this in the first week. Uh, a relationship that starts with, it has a foundation of intimacy with Jesus. Right? The foundation of this relationship with God is that you know that you are the apple of his eye. That you are, you know, that he loves you with so much love that you would just explode if you really knew how much he loves you. That's the foundation. And knowing that kind of love leads us to a place of greater dependence on him, that we depend, we trust him more because we know how much he loves us. And that grows desire and resolve to now it comes down to obedience to Jesus. But we need to remember, we need to keep it in that order because it's, that's the truth. God is inviting us into a loving relationship. So, uh, but then what did we learn the second week? We learned that sin, remember sin is the common problem. Thank you. Sin is the common problem. And what did sin do to us? Right? It fractured our relationships in three key areas with God. Right? Suddenly, Adam and Eve, what are they doing? They're hiding from God, from each other. They were naked and unashamed, Adam and Eve. And all of a sudden, what? They're naked and they're running to, you know, (laughs) all that came to mind was TJ Maxx. But they're, they're covering up. Because they're ashamed now, they're embarrassed. And it also, it also fractures our relationship with ourselves. There's a brokenness deep within. Uh, that's what sin did, and that's what sin con- continues to do to us in our relationship with God, with each other, and with ourselves. So sin, the sin has to be dealt with. Uh, in your notes, repentance means to turn around. Repentance means to do a 180, to turn away from your sin. But it's not just turning away from your sin. That's only, in a sense, if you remember the first week, and that's only half the gospel, right? It's not just turning away. There's another very important step in repentance. Uh, Second weekend, the key verse, Jeremiah 2.13 says, My people have committed two sins. One, they have forsaken me, God says, the spring of living water. And two, they have dug their own cisterns. Broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And so when we repent, when we turn away from our sins, it's not enough just to turn away from them because in a sense, we're still on our own, aren't we? And the Christian life is not about you. It's all about just avoiding sin. It's all about sin management. No, we're going to lose every time if that's how you try to live the Christian life. It's turning our backs to our sin and then it's going back to Jesus. It's going back to the one who alone can rescue us and change us and make us more and more into the people he's made us to. Because the human condition, here's a, such a simple, but it says a lot. Listen to this verse. This is our human condition. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Is that your experience? I mean, that's, that's my experience. That is, the, that is the human condition. And so we need 
to then repent of the sins that damage our relationship with God, with others, with ourselves. Let me get a little bit more practical. We repent even if society says that our behavior is okay. And boy, oh boy, the times that we live in now, we could do a whole uh, series on that little statement. But sin is defined by what God says it is, not by what our culture says it is, or not by what I say it is. It's by what God says it is. We repent of our sinful responses to sins committed against us. Just because we're wronged by another person doesn't mean we now get like a revenge mulligan if you're, if you're a golfer or like a, a revenge freebie. I mean, there's times where I'm like, this would be awesome. Hey, God, I know I need to make an exchange, but could I be like judge, jury, and executioner for just a little bit? Could I just, you know, sort of hold that magnifying glass on this person and just burn them a little bit? And God's like, no, 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 give that to me. That's, that is not in your job description. Uh, we repent of defense mechanisms or vows that we make to God. Uh, um, you know, it's amazing that uh, we repent even if the, their sin, the, the sin against us, was more serious than our sinful response. What I mean is so much of life is, is you know, you get hurt by people. And you can, you know, you can get to a place in your life where you just go, you know, uh, all men are pigs. I will never trust a man again. All women are deceitful. I will never trust a woman. Like we make, we make vows. All, all, all authority, you know, bosses, teachers, pastors. I don't think there's a problem there. But, but like anyone in authority is just in it for themselves. I don't trust anyone, you know, who, who is in authority over me. And God says, no. He says, come to me. Come exchange the sins committed against you by these people and be healed and restored. And then confess and repent from, turn away from your sinful response to never trust again. Come back to me and let me wash you clean of that and let me uh, uh, heal you of that, of that wounding. We repent of both intentional and unintentional sins. We repent even if we fear that we may fall again. Uh, this is amazing. Again, the human condition, until the day we die and step into eternity, we will struggle with sin. The Bible's very clear on that. And God goes, I, I know that. I know that's your condition. And so uh, his invitation to us to come, to confess, to repent of our sins, uh, his prescription, if you will, never runs out. It's uh, used as often as needed. We don't need to repent from temptation, right? Temptation is the enticement to sin. Hey, look over here. Well, you haven't looked over there yet, right? So we don't need to repent from temptation, but I strongly encourage you, pay attention to areas of temptation in your life. You know, that person in the office that when you get around them, it just, you just love being around that person. You need to pay attention to that. That, uh, that program or that literature or that website, like, what, like where you just ride on the edge and, and it's just close enough, but you're not going over the edge. Wisdom would say, if you're tempted in a, in a different area, wisdom would say, you need to run away. You need to be ruthless. Uh, Martin Luther, the German theologian, said, we can't stop a bird from flying over our heads, but we can stop it from building a nest in our hair. Deep, uh, well said, Martin. We repent of introspection. Introspection is an attempt to deal with life. It's our attempt to control our lives. It's our attempt to escape from life. It's a very common uh, a very common activity in our culture, in our Western culture, 
of looking inside ourselves for answers, of looking inside ourselves. You know, uh, and, and really, when you think about it, where introspection is dangerous, where, where really we can call it sin, is it, you know, it's, it really is the sin of taking control or trying to take control of our own lives, which if you think back to Genesis 3, that's what got us in trouble in the first place, is where we sort of said, God, I, I, I can do this. I, I, I can do this on my own. Um, uh, but the truth is, we were made for relationship. We were made for relationship with God forever. We never, we never outgrow needing him to be holding the seat of our bike. <laughs> as, we're, you know, as we're biking through life, we never get to a point where we look back at God and go, it's okay, you can let go, right? Really? <laughs> you know, but it's like, we never, we never, we, that never stops. We are made to constantly be in relationship with him. And that means that he's in control because he's God and he knows what's best. There's a difference. Introspection is dangerous because introspection, again, it's, it's us trying to take control. It's us trying to fix our own, our little worlds on our own, right? It's, it really is, it's, it's you just looking inward, having a self-guided internal tour of your emotions, of your thoughts. Of, like, it's dangerous because we, we don't see it the way God does. And so there's a difference between introspection and self-examination. Self-examination is good for us. Self-examination is Psalm 51. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Self-examination is you know, standing in front of a mirror with Jesus and letting Jesus look at your life and go, hey, what's this right here? Let him be the one who says, you need to let go of this or you need to pay attention to this. It's let him be the one who takes, guides the tour of your life. The heart of God towards us is this, Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. Confess to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, the, the, one of the beauties of the Christian life is it's that you don't have to face life alone. Everything that you're going through. You, like, I love the freedom to run to God and, and really naming and exchanging my fears. God, here's what I'm really afraid today. Uh, well, this morning I woke up, I haven't been feeling great, and my mind is, is normally <laughs> pretty wishy-washy. Today it feels like it's on a bit of a, I'm not sure where it is, but uh, I know I'm here and I'm talking, so something must be going correctly. But, I, but I lit, to be able to go to God and just say, God, you know, uh, I give you my anxiety. I give you my fear of failure or of looking foolish or whatever it is. It's such a wonderful way to make an exchange uh, with these hurtful things in our lives. Key, so that's key concept. Number seven is repentance and confession. And then the final key concept is add to your faith. Now we're going to get very practical as we end off this talk. Add to your faith. The key verse, 2 Peter 1 Verses five to eight says this, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge and to knowledge, self-control <clears throat> and to self-control, perseverance and to perseverance, godliness and to godliness, mutual affection and to mutual affection, love. 
For if you possess these qualities in increasing, increasing measure, add to your faith, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The whole, the whole goal of the gospel of wholeness is, is how does God do this work? We've said yes to him, you know, salvation. We've given our lives to him. How does he now do this work of sanctification? Well, well, how he does it is it's, it's a work of God in our lives, but it's one that we must also participate with him. We aren't passive in this work. There are things that you and I can do, disciplines, activities that are, will literally add to our faith and grow us in all those areas that I read and, and things that we can do that God will use to sanctify and change us. Dallas Willard said this, a discipline is something you do in your power so that you will be able to do something not within your power. So sanctification occurs best when we remain in an environment conducive to change. You know, in, in the book of Isaiah, there's a, there's a story where God is referred to as the potter and we are referred to as the, as the clay. Now, what can clay do to itself other than just, just be, right? We need a potter. And here's the beauty. We're going to go through a list of practical things here. When you hear this list, don't hear the list as, okay, I need to do these different things in order to earn change, in order to earn God's favor and God's working, God's blessing my life. No, that is not what I'm saying. Rather, hear this list as, these are the things that I can do to position myself. These are the things that, as a piece of clay, that I can do to plop myself on the potter, on God's potter wheel, potter's wheel, so that he can get his hands on me and to form me and, and, and to change me. So first one is fellowship. Fellowship. It's just being around other disciples. It's like what I said to, to uh, Kyle and Erica. It's being around other people who are moving in the same direction, who are moving in a, in a Jesus direction, just like you're attempting to do. And it doesn't mean you can't have other friends, but, but it's being mindful of who your main influencers, influencers are in your life. Uh, accountability. Of those disciples that you spend time with, allow one or two of them who are a little further down the road of walking with God, uh, give them an open door into your life. Give them the freedom to speak into your life, speak into the decisions that you're making. This would also be a great person that you could learn to practice confession with. Number three, intimacy with Jesus. Make time in your day to be with Jesus. Um, I heard a speaker say recently, uh, it's, it's really, it's, it's wasting your time on Jesus. And at first I thought, well, that doesn't sound very, that sounds disrespectful. But then he explained it this way. It's we're, we're so, we, we don't, we only put, we tend to put value on things that we see as productive, but to just be with Jesus when you're driving, just be with Jesus when you're working, like just to be with Jesus is, 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 uh, does not seem productive to us, but it is, it is very healthy and it is very good for us and it builds and nurtures intimacy with him. Bible study. I'm not sure really what to say in this, but, but to be reading our Bibles, to daily be reading our Bibles, uh, to be in a small group where we're discussing the word of God, uh, weekends, et cetera, as we're teaching the word of God. Another way we can position ourselves is through worship. <clears throat> and worship, whether you like music or not, God has wired us 
There's something that goes on in the human heart when we sing the praises of God, when we declare our, our, uh, our love for him, our thanks towards him, our awe of him. There is something that literally positions us in the very presence, in the very presence of God. And then finally, service, serving. Jesus is the servant of all, choosing to help, choosing to serve. Uh, someone uh, choosing to help another person positions you right where Jesus is, right where Jesus uh, would be. Okay, why don't we all stand up? Let's have the worship team come back. When I look at that list, you know, all of those things are really good things, but let me end by saying those things don't change us, right? They don't change us, but those things, those things position us they position us as a lump of clay on, the, on God's potter's wheel that he is able to change us. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.